Cage 3650, Physiology of Exercise, lecture on August 25th, topic creatine phosphate. Alright, so now what we want to do is move on to our next main topic uh, in these energy systems, and that's to take on our first main energy system to replace ATP, and that's creatine phosphate. Right, this just gives a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of an outline of where we're going. Uh, talk a little bit about the characteristics of creatine phosphate, how it's related to muscle fatigue, uh, if we've used creatine phosphate, how we get it back again, uh, and then how we might manipulate this energy system. How many of you have heard of creatine loading or creatine supplementation? Right? So we'll, we'll talk about that, about manipulating this particular energy system to try to enhance performance. Okay, so here's our scheme again. We've got this muscle. We're asking it to exercise or produce lots of force. For that, we need energy, and the direct source of energy is ATP. So if we're splitting ATP, ATP concentration is going down, and our ADP concentration is going up, and what we need to know is how we're going to get ATP back again. And the first way we're going to talk about doing it is with this energy system, creatine phosphate. Creatine phosphate is another high energy phosphate compound, similar to ATP. So with that phosphate bond, it can store energy. Creatine phosphate is a chemical compound that is stored as this high energy uh, uh, phosphate compound that's stored right in muscle. So you can sort of think of it as a pool or a reservoir of energy. Now, when you've got adenosine diphosphate, it can get phosphate groups and energy to put ATP back together again, to rephosphorylate ATP. Okay. Um, what is this stuff? What is creatine? It's the stuff you go to GNC and you buy it in a big white white powder in a big one kilogram tub, right? Okay. What is it? It's a molecule. It's actually uh, essentially it's a protein. Okay. It, um, it is either consumed in your diet. Okay. Pri the primary sources of creatine in your diet because it is this high energy phosphate that's stored in muscle. The primary source of creatine in your diet is meat. Okay. Um, now, if someone is a vegetarian, doesn't eat any meat, as long as you have an adequate distribution of protein in your diet so that you get um, uh, two or three important amino acids that you need, your liver and other tissues in your body can make creatine just fine. Okay, so people that are vegetarians, um, their liver can make creatine for them even though they don't eat meat. Okay, So you can either eat it in your diet or as long as you've got a, a good complete uh, protein intake, your body can make it for you. No problem. You know, so here's our scheme. We either, we either eat it or our liver manufactures it. This creatine molecule circulates around the body in the bloodstream. It is taken up by tissues like muscle over here. And once it goes into the muscle, about two-thirds of that creatine is phosphorylated. 
it forms creatine phosphate and it is stored right there in the muscle. About a third of the creatine in the muscle just stays as creatine, what we call free creatine. Um, some of the excess creatine in the body is filtered out by the kidneys and is converted to a chemical compound called creatinine and goes out in your urine. Okay? We talk about the, per, the creatine turnover in the body is about two grams a day. Okay? So in other words, you consume on the neighborhood or, or manufacture about two grams a day and your kidneys get rid of about two grams a day. And that keeps the body at a pretty good balance of the right amount of creatine in the body. Okay? Uh, creatine phosphate is stored in all kinds of tissues in the body. By far, the most creatine in the body is stored in muscle. Okay? So that's what creatine is. And that's where it is. What it can do is in this chemical reaction, creatine phosphate can give phosphate and energy back to ADP to reform ATP. And what's left is the creatine. One step chemical reaction. So how quickly is that going to happen? Fast. It is catalyzed by an enzyme called creatine kinase. Feel free to abbreviate it as CK. So if we've got a one-step chemical reaction that is now catalyzed by an enzyme, how fast does it happen? Very fast. Okay? Very fast. Where does oxygen, where is oxygen depicted in this reaction? It's not, right? So we refer to this as one of our anaerobic energy systems. One of our anaerobic energy systems because oxygen is not required for this part of the reaction. Now, as we'll see in a little bit, that's only, that's only half true, but we still categorize this as one of our anaerobic energy systems. And I'll get back to that in a bit. Okay, so here's our scheme. Our muscle's exercising, it's producing force, it needs energy. It gets its energy from ATP. And what's left is ADP. That right stored here in the muscle, we've got creatine phosphate. And creatine phosphate gives the phosphate and the energy back to reform ATP. Okay? And then what's left is the creatine over here. You have a pool of creatine phosphate in the muscle that can be used to replenish ATP pretty quickly. It is a one-step chemical reaction that happens very quickly to help replenish ATP when ATP is being used quickly. Okay. So what types of sports or exercise activities would we be most likely to use this energy system for when you need lots of energy and you need it very quickly? Sprinting. What else? Pardon? Uh, if the swimming is sprints. Okay, short, very high intensity. What else? Uh, football sprints, explosive power. Okay, baseball, fast swing, pitch, very high intensity, very quick, very fast, jumping to dunk a basketball. Okay, what about weightlifting? Powerlifting. That that close to that one repetition maximum. You're trying to lift. Uh, near maximum weights very quickly. Okay? Really? Throwing. 
Okay, shot like shot put, javelin, discus, explosive power. Okay, we need lots of force, lots of energy, very quickly. It directly comes from ATP, but this is the energy system that's going to be used under those situations to replace ATP. Okay, one step reaction catalyzed by an enzyme, very fast, can produce ATP very quickly. Doesn't use oxygen. Okay. Unlike ATP, we can use our creatine essentially almost down to zero. Under certain conditions of very high intensity exercise, if it goes on for long enough, our creatine concentrations can go down very low. When creatine phosphate goes down very low, it is now not available to replace ATP. If we're still exercising at high intensity, ATP concentration is, being, is, is going down. And we know that when ATP gets down to about 70% of its total, what happens? Fatigue. The muscle stops producing force. We don't have as much energy available to the muscle, so it stops producing force. Okay? At very high rates of energy, uh, of exercise uh, at high intensities, this happens somewhere around 10 to 15 seconds. Okay? At high rates of voluntary exercise, this happens in around 10 to 15 seconds. Creatine depletion, you can't replace ATP as rapidly, ATP concentration falls, then it levels off, and then the muscle starts to fatigue. Okay? So we say that the duration of this energy system, when used at its maximum capacity, is about 10 to 15 seconds, roughly. Some textbooks you'll see 5 to 10, some you'll see 10 to 15, but it's basically it's seconds, somewhere plus or minus in that 10 second range. Okay? And in fact, of course, Usain Bolt may not be a good example, but if, if, you, if you look at sprints, uh, uh, the splits of 100 meter sprinters, they actually reach their maximum velocity at around 70 or 80 meters, and the last 20 or 30 meters or so, they're actually slowing down. Okay, there are some biomechanical reasons for that, but there, there are also some uh, physiological reasons, one of which is that some of this energy is not available to them at as high of a rate. Um, let me skip over that for right now and show you, go back to our example of the research study where we got, uh, where they got muscle biopsies from these sprinters. Now instead of looking at the dark circles, look at the open, the white circles, and this is creatine phosphate concentration. Okay? They started with much higher levels, but look how rapidly the creatine phosphate levels went down. And they didn't get down to zero, but in terms of a total percent loss, uh, let's see, that's about 9 out of 11. That's about, um, that's about an 80% drop in their creatine phosphate levels. Okay? The muscle will protect ATP. The muscle can pretty closely deplete creatine phosphate. Okay? All right, so here are our characteristics 
of our creatine phosphate energy system. One chemical step, catalyzed by an enzyme, creatine kinase, or CK. It is a very fast chemical reaction. For every one creatine phosphate molecule, we can rephosphorylate one ATP. So it's a one-to-one -one ratio. One creatine phosphate molecule, one ATP rephosphorylated. It's about in that 10-second duration. Oxygen is not involved in this part of this chemical reaction, so we call it uh, one of our anaerobic energy uh, systems. And fatigue, muscle fatigue, is pretty closely associated with very, very low levels of creatine phosphate. Okay, so creatine phosphate depletion in the muscle is pretty highly correlated with that muscle fatiguing. And it is the predominant energy system in very high intensity, you know, power oriented events. Very high intensity, very short duration events. All right. All right, so if we've exercised at high intensity, we've used ATP, we've replaced it from creatine phosphate, and creatine phosphate goes to creatine, how do we get creatine back to creatine phosphate? Do you got to sit down and eat a big steak and wait a couple hours? That's where you get creatine from, right? How do we get creatine phosphate back from creatine. Add a phosphate. Pardon? Add a phosphate. You add a phosphate. Simple. This is a, um, uh, you all are familiar with the MRI, right? Magnetic resonance imaging. This the, the graph was done with the same type of uh, technology, but it, it does a uh, spectral analysis. So instead of drawing an image of the tissue, it gives us an analysis of, in this case, high energy phosphate groups. This one right in the middle is creatine phosphate. Here's our initial levels right here. This muscle starts exercising at high intensity. The creatine phosphate level falls down to here. And then as the person rests over about the next 60 seconds, this signal comes back indicating that the creatine phosphate levels are returning. Okay, A more conventional grapher approach um, This study was actually done with electrical stimulation where it just bombards the muscle with uh, an electrical stimulus and really at a frequency that uh, a person couldn't do voluntarily. And so what you see is the creatine levels fall almost to zero. And then during the recovery period, so here's the recovery period, you start to see the creatine levels coming back. And over what sort of time frame do those creatine levels come back? Is it hours? Is it days? It's minutes. And so after about a minute, it's about halfway back. And after about five minutes, it's almost all the way back. And after about ten minutes or so, our creatine phosphate levels are pretty much back to normal. Okay? So we can deplete creatine phosphate pretty quickly. And if you rest for a minute or two, or if the depletion is severe, five or six or seven minutes, the creatine phosphate levels come back up. Where's the phosphate coming from? Like, so 
Um, it's not an exact transfer. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. You can kind of think of, there's a tendency when you draw these reactions, there's a tendency when you draw these reactions to think that it's this phosphate group that gets added to this ADP you know, back over here. Um, that's a simplistic view because really inside that muscle cell, it's just a big soup of chemicals. Okay, uh, As long as this splits, this may split and this phosphate group may go over here, but as long as that energy is liberated and there's another phosphate group hanging around close by, these two will rejoin. Okay, And let's talk about specifically how that happens um, in this case. Uh, if, you, if we all went to the track and lined up at the start line of the 100 meters straightaway, and I made your grade, just to make sure we had a little bit of motivation, I made your grade contingent upon how fast you ran 100 meters. Fire the gun, everybody sprints 100 meters. When you get done, well, let me ask you this. What's the primary energy source? Motivation. What, what's the primary physiological energy source? That's psychological. That's, uh, that's Becky Ellis' class. <laughs> ATP is the primary source, but uh, how is that ATP being replaced? By what predominant energy system? Creatine phosphate. Okay. So when you get done sprinting 100 meters, are you breathing hard? I thought this was an anaerobic energy system. Why are you breathing hard? You don't need oxygen. Why are you breathing hard when you get done sprinting 10, 11 seconds, right? Um, why are you pardon? Oh, that's our next energy system. That's that's longer sprints. Well, what happens is calling this an anaerobic energy system is only half of the story. We don't use oxygen when we break down creatine phosphate. But guess what? In order to get creatine back to creatine phosphate, we need our aerobic energy system. Okay? We'll cover this in much more detail, but everybody in here knows from your basic physiology class and other biology courses you've had, what, what's the, the aerobic power plant in these muscle cells is a little organelle called the mitochondria, right? Inside this mitochondria, does your aerobic energy system ever stop working? Do we ever flip the switch off? After about 80 years, or 80 plus or minus. But basically, as long as you're alive, aerobic energy systems work, right? And so these aerobic power plants within your cells are always making ATP. Always. So what happens is exercise breaks down creatine phosphate to creatine. During the recovery phase, your creatine molecules come over to a, an adjacent mitochondria and they pick up a phosphate and the energy from an ATP that was made aerobically in the mitochondria. And so then it comes back as creatine phosphate, and what's happened to this ATP? It's now down to ADP, but we've got the aerobic energy going to do what to that ADP? Turn it back into an ATP aerobically. One of the reasons you start breathing heavy, even with short high-intensity exercise, is your body recognizes that you're using energy 
And so it cranks up your aerobic energy system to get this process going so that we can do this. That's one reason. Okay? So, our creatine phosphate energy system is anaerobic, but in order to get creatine phosphate back from creatine, it requires the use of our aerobic energy system. So one of the reasons that you breathe heavy and your heart rate's elevated for a minute or two, even after a very short sprint, is we ramp up our oxygen consumption to try to replace creatine phosphate. Okay? And this, what, so what, what practical application for exercise or fitness does this graph have? If we use creatine phosphate, what, what, again, and, and what sorts of activities might we use creatine phosphate at a high rate? Sprints, power-oriented events, weightlifting if they're one, two, three repetitions, Okay, so then what practical significance does this graph have for us? Recovery. Recovery, right? So let's say you're training specifically, let's say you've got an Olympic weightlifter that they've got very specific lifts that they have to do, and they have to, and they're, they're, or, or a power lifter. They have very specific lifts they have to do where they're trying to lift a maximum amount of power or a maximum amount of weight that requires certain technique and skill okay? so if they're going to lift very heavy weights in their training then you want to make sure and give them adequate recovery to where this energy source is replaced before they attempt to uh, try that lift again okay alright so some uh, practical application with things like weightlifting or other sprinting type events to give people an adequate amount of recovery before the next interval. Okay. Um, let me see where we are. Yeah. All right, we're close. Okay, I mentioned earlier that um, different enzymes have different slightly different forms uh, that are called isoforms or isoenzymes. Creatine kinase is an enzyme uh, that has different isoforms. Those of you that are particularly interested in going into clinical exercise physiology, cardiac rehab, that type of thing, uh, this will be of particular importance. Um, creatine kinase is an enzyme that is found mostly in muscle cells because it catalyzes that reaction, that breakdown of creatine phosphate. Um, it's only under situations where the muscle cell membrane has been disrupted or damaged that this particular enzyme leaks out. Okay? The amount or the activity of this enzyme, creatine kinase, in your bloodstream is a marker of muscle injury or muscle damage. Okay? Now, um, just a few years ago, when I was in graduate school, um, there was a, a study done in the, uh, the uh, uh, medical dietetics department where they were studying the effect of the amount of saturated versus unsaturated fat uh, in your diet and how that affected your cholesterol. 
and like most big research universities like that, they were recruiting people on campus to be subject in this study. And um, it was very attractive to me because they gave you all of your food for 14 weeks. They fed you. Um, uh, they paid you to be in the study. And basically all you had to do was give them a blood sample about every two weeks. It was awesome. You get up in the morning, you walk over to the lab, you sit down, get a cup of coffee, read the paper, and somebody brings your breakfast to you. Uh, you get done with your breakfast and you get ready to leave, leave for the day, and somebody uh, gives you a brown paper bag with your lunch and some snacks in it. And then you come back at the end of the day and sit down and somebody brings you your dinner. Uh, and that, was, that, that went for 14 weeks. It, for a poor graduate student, it was awesome. <laughs> so I really wanted to be on the study. And uh, so they had a screening deal that you went through where you had a physical and you did, uh, uh, they did blood samples. And the, uh, the faculty member who was the principal investigator on the study, uh, a couple of days after I'd done the screening, calls me. There's a very worried uh, tone in his voice and says, you need to meet me over at the Ohio State Hospital right now. I said, well, why? And he said, well, there was something in one of your blood tests that just it made us a little concerned, but you need to come right now. <laughs> so I started thinking about it, and I was like, oh, was it my creatine kinase levels? And he was kind of uh, taken aback, and he said, yes. Well, creatine kinase is an enzyme that's found in skeletal muscle, but it's also found in heart muscle. And it is a common uh, laboratory test that's done to see if people are having a heart attack. Uh, at the time, I was running a lot, so the muscle, slight muscle injury that you get from the pounding from running was actually resulting in a certain type of creatine kinase being at a higher level in my blood. In those days, we didn't have a good way of identifying these three isoforms. All you could see was the total creatine kinase. So he thought I was having a heart attack. Um, now, what you will find, if you look at these types of um, cardiac enzyme panels that are run, is that there's CKBB, which is found mostly in the brain, there's CKMM, which is the skeletal muscle type, and there's CKMB, which is found mostly in myocardial or heart muscle. So now when somebody goes in the hospital or they're suspecting that they're having a heart attack, they can do the specific assay for CKMB, and if the proportion of that CK is elevated, then that's a good piece of evidence that heart muscle cells have been damaged, okay? So that is one of the clinical diagnostic tests that you'll see for myocardial infarction is CKMB. Okay, um, in class on, okay, a couple things. The Back 25 seconds ago, the practice quiz should be available to you. Okay, so you can you can practice the quiz. Uh, we will have a quiz at the beginning of class on Thursday, and then on Thursday we'll continue our discussion of creatine phosphate, except how we manipulate this energy system with creatine loading. Okay, All right, good deal. And let me know if people are having problems getting on uh, uh, iTunes.